0: Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking Tesla, Elon, X, Twitter, whatever he's going to call that hot mess of a social media platform. And most importantly, we're going to dig into Tesla's major competition. Who is their competition exactly? Well, today we find out. You are listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's get into it. While Tesla reported earnings in October, as with all earnings calls, things got interesting. Tesla initially moved slightly higher in after-hours trading after posting Q3 results that were underestimates, but margins were shrinking and things weren't great. Tesla's deliveries had fallen 6.7% sequentially, hurt by planned downtimes for factory upgrades, so that's good. Although the automaker still expects full year deliveries of 1.8 million new Teslas on the road, the stock dropped 4.2% after CEO Elon Musk tried to rein in expectations on the beloved Cybertruck. Here is a quick clip of Elon from that call. We dug our own grave with Cyber Cybertruck. It is going to be require immense work to reach volume production and be cash flow positive. At a price that people can afford, it will take I don't know, a year to 18 months before it is a significant positive cash flow contributor. The downbeat and the comments from Elon dragged Chinese electric vehicle makers BYD, LI, and XPEV. All of these stocks dropped 9 to 4%. And then NEO, an electric vehicle company also Chinese based, was down 8%. Isn't that crazy? Like something that a CEO from the other side of the globe, just in a similar sector, he's saying that deliveries have slowed and he's saying the cyber truck expectations need to be reined in. And that caused some of the largest electric vehicle makers in China to fall four, nine, and 8%. The world is shrinking. So I was hurt personally with Tesla earnings as well. I know you like to hear about my failures. Here's one. Well, it's not totally a failure yet. Here's the story. I'm not sure that I regret it yet because although I am underwater on my Tesla earnings trade, all earnings trades are binary events. So a stock can move violently either way depending on what Elon's going to say or what deliveries were. Like Unless you have insider trading and you're breaking the law, You don't really know what's going to happen. Like You can make a guess, but it's a guess. Literally, things can go either way. In fact, a company can have great earnings. They could have earned more in that quarter, but then they adjust their guidance going forward, and that can cause the stock to go down, even though they had good earnings. So here was my thinking going into Tesla's earnings in October. Many times, there is a high IV, and the IV is the implied volatility of a stock typically used for options. Usually the higher IV, the price of the options connected to the stock, increases. IV increasing is good if you're an options buyer. It's bad if you're an options seller. So going into Q3 earnings for Tesla, I had been doing some research, and historically I've done some iron condor options plays on earnings because the iron condor gives you the room to make money no matter which way the company goes, as long as the move isn't astronomical or too large. An iron condor is made up of two different option strategies, a vertical call credit spread and a vertical credit put spread. As a refresher, let's go over those real quick. A vertical call credit spread. And by the way, I get these mixed up, so I wrote them in a handy little journal, and I refer to this little journal every time I make a trade. My broker, TD Ameritrade, will create an iron condor all by itself when I click the right button, and then it says make iron condor. It will create that, and it's very nice and easy. But I just look at my little book to make sure that I've got all my eggs in the right mind frame, and then I click the button to have TD Ameritrade create the iron condor. So I don't have to necessarily look at my book each time, but it's a good practice to remind yourself, every time you're making some sort of trade or investment, know what you're doing. Right? Common sense, but not everybody uses common sense. Okay, so one leg of the iron condor is that vertical call credit spread, which is a bearish play on options. So if you think the company's going to fall, you would use a bearish play. So in the vertical call credit spread, you sell one leg of an option low, and you buy one leg of an option high. You receive a credit, and that is the max profit you are going to get from this particular options. You want us the stock to end up between your two strike options. So you sold one high, you sold one option low, you've now created like this little joint venture of options. And you want that to fall between that price. So let's say you bought, you sold one option at 220 and you sold one option at 200. You want the stock to end up in between 220 and 200. Similarly, leg number two of the iron condor is a vertical put credit spread, which is a bullish play. You want the market to go up. So you sell high and you buy low. It's the opposite of the other one. You again get a credit, which is your max profit, and you want the stock to end up between those two strike prices. And when you combine these two together, you get the Iron Condor. Very cool name for a kind of boring option strategy. So as I said, I would normally be using an Iron Condor for options. For Tesla this time, I was looking at an Iron Condor with strikes between 235 per share and 260 So this Iron Condor paid $219. That's the credit I would have gotten. And I get to keep that entire credit of $219 as long as Tesla finished between $235 and $260 per share. But again, the IV was low, which means the payout was low. Typically, like last earnings for Tesla, that iron condor would have paid like $400. So I didn't want to risk myself possibly getting assigned 100 shares of Tesla for only $219. So I did something else. The expected move... For Tesla, because of earnings, was $14 per share either way. So that means whatever Elon said, the stock was expected to go up or expected to go down $14. Tesla had beaten expected move three of the last earnings calls. So all of that money in the background, with the large $14 expected move, and me being afraid the iron condor was going to fall, I decided to instead sell a cash-secured put for a higher premium. If you listen to this show, you know that I like selling cash-secured puts. I have money on the sidelines to buy 100 shares of this particular company if I need to. I only do cash-secured puts now because I've learned my lesson. I only do cash-secured puts on companies that I'm willing to invest in for the long term. So I sold the $215 $215 cash secured put on Tesla expiring November 17th for $415. So if Tesla finishes one penny above $215 per share, I keep the full $415. I was hoping that this was going to be a very quick move. I was hoping Tesla was going to blast through the expected move and that the options uh, implied volatility would spike and therefore I could cash out of this cash secured put 25, maybe 50% up. So I'd walk away with $200 of the 415. It did not work out that way, and I'm still in a position as of October 30th. And Tesla is currently sitting at $207 per share. So in the next two weeks, I need Tesla. Come on, Elon, make it happen, buddy. I need Tesla to get up to $208 per share or I will be the proud owner of 100 shares at Tesla at $215, no matter what the price is. So if the price falls to $190, for instance, I will be underwater quite a bit. Elon, please save me. Okay, moving on. That was a little insight into the madness I get into around earnings times. For companies that I think are worth taking a risk on, companies that I think I'm okay holding at a certain particular price. And you know what? if Tesla ends up being below 215, I'm fine because I think that's a decent long-term investment for the long haul. All of that was free just in case you wanted to dabble into the dark art of options. Let's take a quick break. and when we get back, we're going to talk about Tesla. We're going to talk about Tesla competition. and is Tesla still the top electric vehicle stock? We'll be right back. So one of the other things that took away from the earnings call was that Elon Musk has a recession playbook for prioritizing vehicle sales over profitability. He said this in a Q2 call. In the upcoming, quote unquote, upcoming Cybertruck launch and its subsequent ramp up size, which means the delivery that it's going to need to actually get out there, Tesla margins are likely to stay under high pressure in the near to medium term. These are, this is a quote from Elon Musk. Given Musk's recession playbook of prioritizing vehicle sales over profitability, which he mentioned in the Q2 call, Tesla's margins are likely to stay under pressure in the near to medium term. That is from investing group leader Ahan Vashi. Ahan Vashi has advised his clients, his long-term investors, to hold out for a better entry point to initiate or increase bullish positions. Likely, Livy Investment Research said that the recent sell in Tesla was a result of waning confidence in the company's fundamental prospects, cautioning that there is a limited near-term respite coming. So as the demand for autos has come under pressure and in rising of the recent interest rate environment, Tesla's leadership has strategically prioritized unit volume, getting cars on the road instead of cost margins. So they're putting more cars out on the roads, but they're putting them out at a discounted price. I don't know if you've been watching the news, Or if it's hitting the news, but Tesla cut the price of their cars, putting pressure on all the other makers, because Tesla's one of the largest companies in the world, and they can afford to sell costs at smaller margins, and hopefully they can cause pressure on their competition to have to lower their margins, and the competition can't really afford to lower the margins. This is hopefully the thinking of the mastermind, Elon Musk. With auto gross margins of 16% coming in well below estimates of 17.6%, Tesla is seeing a sharp contraction of their free cash flows, which is like super important if you are a small company and if you're looking at a company that is doing dividend investing, not super important if you're Tesla. So while Tesla is the only profitable electric vehicle out there, let me say that again. Tesla is the only profitable electric vehicle maker out there. The company does look to be possibly in a vicious pricing cycle because now the consumer is getting used to price cuts. Pricing and margins, which equals profitability, could come under further pressure in the upcoming quarters if interest rates remain higher. Interesting, interesting. Interesting. Tesla's management seems to be hanging on to their $1.8 million production target for 2023. Yet, Cybertruck deliveries are on track at the end of the year, says Rumerville. I don't think it's actually going to happen. Due to rising interest rate, big ticket items like cars tend to get more expensive for consumers, and reduced affordability means lower demand. And I think this lower demand is going to cause Tesla to make more cuts in order To grow volumes through this period, Tesla has opted for aggressive price cuts. Over the last several months, they've had more than one cut, which is unusual for, quote unquote, the hot topic electric vehicle. So while these price cuts have enabled Tesla to stoke demand in a rising interest rate environment, it's like something they have to do to keep up with interest rates, the recession playbook is creating immense margin pressures. So can they continue to deliver at this rapid clip? Tesla's revenue growth is decelerating while profit is deteriorating. These aren't good metrics for a company that's trying to be a disruptive innovator in the electric vehicle space. So let's talk competition. Tesla reported on its earnings call that e-truck roadblocks are ahead. It said that Tesla is not alone in facing roadblocks in the EV truck journey. In October, GM delayed the opening of its second electric truck plant in Michigan. Ford temporarily cut one of three shifts in Michigan, the particular plant that makes the Ford F-150 Lightning truck. And Ford had previously pushed back its EV production target. So it was like it thought they were going to put out 100,000 trucks this year. And they're like, hey, guys, guess what? Not going to make it. However, some analysts think that these challenges present an opportunity for burp, burp, Rivian. Rivian is the actually only EV truck out there that catches my eye when it drives by. The Ford F-150, like, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but the Ford F-150 looks like a Ford F-150. Uh, the electric Silverado, which is being uh, put out by Chevys, which is owned by GM, kind of looks like a dorky Chevy Silverado. But the Rivian is new. It's got a happy little face on it. It's got a cool light bar on the front. And it has tons of cool features because it was designed by engineers who actually care about consumers. Rivian is Cybertruck's true challenger, in my opinion. I'm a big fan of the Rivian, as it might seem. I love the truck and I really love the SUV. There's one that I drove by on the way to the office today and it was in matte black with like gold trim and yellow wheels and it looked super cool and I'm envious, but I don't have the kind of money for Rivian. You may have seen the clip recently from Glenn James of My Millennial Money driving a Rivian and he was in the SUV visiting some people out in California and man, that puppy's fast. If you haven't looked at it, go take a look. From all the YouTube clips I've seen, Rivian seems to be well-built. And when I say all the YouTube clips, like, I have watched a lot. Like, I've probably watched 30 videos on the Rivian, long-term testing, like, 30,000 kilometers on the Rivian, yada, yada, yada. But I want you to hear from the man himself. Here is a clip of Glenn right after he drove the Rivian in California. I, I like you, Mary. I like you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wasn't Glenn. That was Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber, but he he said something very similar. Anyway, I have friends who own the Tesla Model X, and that puppy costs $110,000 to $120,000, and it feels as well-built as my 1999 Ford Fiesta. The plastic creaks, the door panels are cheap. Like It has cool technology, and it makes noise when you hit a button, but... The actual build quality, like when your butt is in the seat, feels cheap. And it's fast, and it's the hot EV, but from my experience, not a huge fan of the Tesla build quality. Rivian, however, seems to be very well built. They're a brand new car, a brand new company, so you would think that you'd have some things that really fall behind. Like, it's basically a prototype, but they've put a lot of money and a lot of research into this particular car. Glenn talked about the real wood dash and how it's so cool, like on the dash itself has this nice real wood. And their engineering feats in terms of making one of the fastest trucks in the world aren't the only cool thing. I love the gear tunnel on the truck. I love the portable Bluetooth speaker that hides under the seats. I love all the cool stuff that you can add on delivery. And speaking of delivery, Rivian has had some issues. Here in Columbus, Ohio, where I live, I'm starting to see Rivian almost every day. It seems like there are more and more Rivians rolling off the plant in Illinois, which is just a few states over. And Rivian pre-sales are starting to get on the streets. Rivian had good pre-sales when they first rolled out. In fact, they were a little too good because Rivian sold their truck for $70,000 but well, as they're trying to ramp up production, they hit a few roadblocks. They like The hard part of being an electronic vehicle company isn't getting people excited about your truck. It's actually getting your truck produced to mass scale. And as Rivian was doing this, they ran into a lot of hiccups. I think they ended up bringing in one of the key production guys from Kia. And he's actually like turned them around, and they're kicking butt now. And that's why you're seeing more and more Rivians put out on the streets. But here's, here's one mistake that Rivian made. Rivian, while ramping up production, the price of lithium skyrocketed, and they tried to raise price on the already sold trucks. So they had sold people trucks for seventy thousand dollars, and they were like, "Hey guys, who, who bought your truck for seventy k? Like, can you now give us ninety k? Because we don't want to lose money." And the soon to be owners of the Rivian trucks were like, "Uh, no, go pound sand," and they ended up taking a hit on all of these pre sold cars that they had agreed on the price of seventy thousand dollars prepping for this episode, and because I just wanted to, I went to Rivian website and I spec'd out a new truck the other day. And no matter how I configured it, no matter how cheap I tried to get it, like I'm talking base model, I could not get this puppy under $100,000. So that means if you're getting a delivery of a Rivian right now that you paid $70,000 like last year in pre-sale, you could sell that truck for a $30,000 premium if you're willing to give it up. So Reselling the truck is a good investment, but is it good to buy? I personally have bought and sold Rivian a few times over the last year or two. Sadly, I learned a lesson in the wheel strategy. So let's talk options again. This is a risky strategy, well, more risky than just buy and hold strategy. So don't let me entice you into doing the wheel. Learn from my mistake. The wheel, if you aren't familiar, is when you sell a cash-secured put, which you know that I like to do. And if you get assigned on these 100 shares of the stock, you can then do a covered call to get premium. So you own 100 shares, and then you sell a covered call. So if the price of the shares rises to the price of your covered call, somebody else buys those shares from you, and you make money. Well, you're supposed to. I had sold a few cash secured puts on Rivian in February 2023 for $18 strike price. So that means if the stock fell to $18, I would own 100 shares, or I would have to buy 100 shares of Rivian at $18 each. Well, in that week, the market turned on me, and I ended up with a few hundred shares of Rivian at a loss of a an electronic loss of about $3 per share because it had fallen to about 15 bucks a share. So then I sold some covered calls to try to get some of that money back. But as the market continued to kind of go down and flat, the price of Rivian fell with it, and I kept selling covered calls. But this time I was selling covered calls below my strike price of $18 per share. I was selling them for like 15 because that's what I had to do to get any sort of money. I should have just taken a breath and waited and let it come back, but I didn't, and it bit me. From February to June, Rivian bounced from 15 to 13 to 15 to 13. So it's kind of like in this $2 little window. Again, still $3 less than I had purchased. And then I sold a covered call for I think like $15 or $16, which seemed safe because I had a few months of 15, 13, 15, 13. And then at the end of June, it was announced that Rivian would get approval from Tesla to use their superchargers and bam. The stock went from $13.50 at the end of June to $28 by the end of July. I sold my shares for $15, which was my strike price, losing and locking in those $3 per share losses, all the while seeing Rivian skyrocket. Lesson here is it's not a good idea to sell covered calls when you're underwater on the stock. Just be patient, don't be risky. Had I held the stock and not sold cover calls, I would have sold for a $10 per share profit. Instead, I took a $2 or $3 per share loss. So during that spike, a few of my friends started asking me, hey, is Rivian a good buy? Like, Should I look at buying Rivian? It seems like this is the hot topic. Like, People are starting to talk about Rivian because they were in the news and their stock was going up. Well, now in October, November, depending on when you're listening to this, in 2023, the overall stock market has fallen and Rivian has come back to earth, trading at $16 per share again, falling 29% in the month of October. Yikes. So market participants will closely be following the results from Rivian coming up soon. They announced earnings on November 7th, and on that day, Ravian Automotive is projected to report a negative earnings of $1.36 per share, which would represent an overall growth. I know they're like losing money, but they're losing less money. So it'd be a growth of 13.3 to 8%. Meanwhile, estimates of projected sales are going to be up $1.36 billion, which is a 154% increase in revenue from a year ago. So they are making more money. They are producing more companies or more cars, just not fast enough. So from the future, this episode will probably run after those November 7th earnings. How did I do? I didn't buy at $16 per share because I think they're going to fall a little bit more. And maybe I'll be able to buy back at $13. Personally, I'm still suffering from my Tesla options play strategy. So I think I'm going to sit this earnings call out. I'm not against mine Rivian again for the long term. And I, when my, I mean long term, I mean for years and years. Like I think... Possibly Rivian could be the one EV maker that stands above and competes with Tesla. But for that, I need to do a little bit more research. I need to dig more into the financials, and that will probably be a different episode. But leaving you today from a technical analysis point of view, Rivian is just below the 0.65 Fibonacci retracement, which typically, historically, is a good buying time, as well as they are back to support was like they're back right at that price where they were before they announced the pre-Tesla supercharger announcement. So they're kind of on like this little knife's edge. Will they fall back to their all-time low of $11.60 per share? Or do they get good earnings on November 7th and bounce from here? Short term, I personally do not think rising interest rates and recession fears will be great for companies like Rivian, especially if Elon Musk does ever deliver the Cybertruck but Rivian is making cool vehicles. They're keeping me interested as a consumer and an investor. So they will stay on my watch list. You've been listening to my millennial investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends and income streams. So you don't have to, I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license.